Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to another episode of The Sword and Shield. Uh, I am your host, Chief Master Sergeant Christopher Howard, 960th COG Superintendent, and with me today I have... Chief Master Sergeant Pruitt, Air Force Reserve Recruiting Service. Hey, Chief. Thanks for spending some time with us today, right? Um, quite often when we're talking about the reserves and, uh, and leadership roles, uh, recruiting comes up. So I was hoping that you can kind of help me understand and our listeners understand um, you know, your role as uh, the recruiting service and then how that all interacts with, uh, with our units. So what do you leverage to, to get the numbers or to, to find um, the positions that we recruit to? So that's a, that's a really good question, and it becomes challenging in different areas. So we go out and we try to locate viable prospects. Right? Okay. They're just a prospect at first uh, where we're trying to get in front of a qualified person when they're ready to make a decision, not when we need to make a sale or fill a vacancy. Um, those do kind of align hand in hand, but we go out and we try to generate the interest at first. Okay. And sometimes it's met with adversities. Sometimes it's met with open arms. Um, once we find that person, then we're going to go ahead and take them through the recruiting steps. So we're going to need to get them qualified via the ASVAB, qualified with a medical physical. And that's probably at MEPS where they're going to get both of those. And then we're going to bounce those off of the current vacancies that's okay. out there. So we're going to try to discover what units and what positions need to be filled. How are we going to get to our end strength? And then we're going to couple that with the Air Force Enlisted Classification Directory so that we can find out what jobs they qualify for. Okay. And then we're going to go ahead and apply and try to get them sold on a, on a position. Okay. Um, every position comes with different benefits, right? So nobody joins the Air Force Reserve saying, I only want to do this job. Right. Um, they do. That's a want, yeah. but a lot of times the needs are going to be, you know, I need some medical insurance. I need some, some money for school or whatever that might be. Right. Well, that's what we utilize to help us when we're selling a job to someone. So we look at the vacancies, we look at the qualifications. We look at what they're really trying to do. If someone says, you know, I need to fit in maybe some of my training schedule in the middle, in the summertime between high school and college or on my summer breaks. Okay. Then we're not going to be looking at a job maybe 4-0 or a long extended tech school. Right. We're going to be looking at something that's going to fit within their desires, but also really what their needs are. Gotcha. So it's a little bit different than uh, RAGAF recruiting, right? In the sense that uh, we are tailoring or, you know, kind of adjusting our sites um, based on that individual need uh, a little bit more than RAGAF. Is, is that, would that be safe to say? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely accurate. Yeah, that is safe to say, you know, RAGAF, they're going to recruit on a on an umbrella basis. They're going to they're going to recruit to the Air Force's big picture needs, and that's why a lot of folks can join RegF as an open career field, open general, open medical, open whatever it is. Right. We recruit to a very very specific position. Okay. RegF's not recruiting for uh, a 3D one position at Grand Forks, North Dakota. Gotcha. They're recruiting for 3D ones for the Air Force. Okay, and then so. You said we recruit to, you know, very specific uh, positions. Where would we find those positions if we were interested? 
RMVS. RMVS, okay, awesome. And that that's online, right? So if I'm a civilian and I've uh, never served before, how would I know what positions uh, to look for? So civilians don't have the access, right? Okay. When I say RMVS, I mean those military members that have access to AFPC secured website and can go out and see RMVS. And there's actually two. There's reserve vacancies that everybody has access to. And it's more of a generic, here's the jobs and the locations. RMVS, the true RMVS is what recruiters have access to. And that's how we actually block a position. It's advertised and we block it specific for our applicant as we proceed on and get ready to enlist. Okay. And uh, so the, that really goes to taking um, individuals that are probably qualified on REGAF or currently in the reserves looking for another position, right? Correct. Okay. Um, but if uh, going back to a non-prior, how would a non-prior kind of assess or be going from a prospect to a recruit and getting through training? So if you're, if you're, are, are you asking about, can they find positions and then come in with already desires of what those vacancies are? Can they, or how would they find those vacancies? Would they just have to come talk to you? So they need to come talk to us. Okay. Um, and a lot of times when we're starting a process, because we have, it's called a stairway success. Okay. Where we're going to, we're going to make contact, initial contact, and we're going to bring them in for an initial appointment. And during that initial appointment is where we're really going to be sitting down and, and diving deep into uh, what we call uh, impact or probing. So we're going to be asking them, why is it you're looking to join? What are you looking to get out of this? What's your one-year plan? What's your five-year plan? Gotcha. You know, what? where do you work now? What do you wish your benefits you had? So we want to uncover those needs and wants, and then we want to apply what the Air Force Reserve is going to be able to fulfill within those. Um, a lot of times we find that applicants want to come in, they, start want, to, they want to talk about jobs immediately. There's so many unknown variables. Yeah. Jobs are opening and closing every single day. Recruiters are going to block them. Units are going to lose somebody, which is going to open up a new vacancy. And then the other unknown variables are we don't know what they're going to qualify for until they get to MEPS. Right. So we always kind of put a thumbtack in. Let's talk about jobs until we get you qualified and we get them sold on the Air Force Reserve. Because reality is they can retrain as many times as they want. Do we want longevity? Absolutely. Right. No, I think that's a great uh, great selling point for the reserves too, right? So when we talk about the, the REGAF pathway, you, you're recruited, you go through BMT, you go through your tech school, you go to your first duty station, you get trained, you're in your first tour, and then it comes up time to either re-enlist. That's the opportunity that most people get to uh, you know kind of change their job or potentially uh, retrain. Um, and that's not even guaranteed. Um, within the reserves, it's much different in the fact that uh, if you were non-prior coming off the street, similar, once you're trained, um, let's say life changes, then you can look at another opportunity, another base, which then can open up for, for cross training. Or even if you've been uh, in, the, in the reserves for a while and you just want to change, then you can look at RMBS and work through that process, correct? That is correct. You know, and the benefit of doing something like that is your foot's in the door. You know, so there's there's... There's so many different opportunities and paths that can that you can go down. And, and I used to I used to talk with my applicants when I was a young recruiter um, and let them know, hey, you can window shop all day long, but you got to step foot through that door before you're really going to experience what those paths and opportunities are going to be. Right. You know, the Air Force Reserve's slogan used to be for a while, we're a part time force with full time opportunities. Well, those full time opportunities can be more than just. AGR and art positions. Right. It can be 
mandates, it can be deployments, it can be retraining into different AFSCs. Um, one of the one of the biggest success stories that I ever had um, that that I felt was that I had the opportunity to really be a part of was a young man named uh, Sterling Broadhead. And Sterling Broadhead was extremely sharp. You know, he showed up with his master's degree and off off the cuff, a lot of people are going to go, master's degree, you're an officer, you're officer material. Well, that's not always the case. Yeah. You know, officers, one, the positions are going to be a lot more limited. Two, um, the, it, it's also really kind of contingent on meeting those requirements. A lot of times it's technical type degrees or that alignment has to be a little more close fit. Okay. So Sterling Broadhead comes in and master's degree and I end up putting him in 2T2, air okay. transportation, right? Um, he goes off to basic training, does great things. He calls us when uh, when he's almost done with basic training. He said, hey, I just want to let you know I graduated basic training. Good job. Really appreciate the guidance and everything. And it was exactly what I thought. And then he bragged about himself a little bit. And that's where recruiters really get that sense of satisfaction of what we're doing. When we get to hear the accomplishments yeah. of now citizen airmen doing great things. Because when we saw him, we saw him as a civilian. Yeah. Now we get to hear about their leadership potential. So he called and he said, uh, got the Warhawk Award, ran the mile and a half in 932. Or I'm sorry, 732. Oh, wow. That's a dead sprint. I'm yeah. thinking, geez, <laughs> uh, 31 years old. I mean, great things. I couldn't do that. I no, do that right now. no, no. Not even 32. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's maybe my mile. Right. If that. Yeah. No. So, you know, I mean, this guy just killed it. Then he goes to base or tech school. Then he comes back. And this was at Hill Air Force Base. Um, goes to his unit. He ends up getting promoted to senior airman in advance because you get rank progression based on your college credits. Right. So he came in at, at an advanced rank, goes on to uh, goes on to do great things in his unit. And I see the wing commander a couple of years later at our conference. I say, hey, how's senior airman Broadhead doing? He goes, oh, you mean Staff Sergeant Broadhead? Really? Yep. He just got promoted. He's working at the wing now. He came in 2T2. Now he's a wings exec and just crushing making a name for himself, crushing it. Yeah. So fast forward another year. I see the wing commander again at the next recruiting conference. Hey, sir, good to see you again. How's Staff Sergeant Broadhead doing? Oh, you mean Lieutenant Broadhead? What? Yeah, we just picked him up on DACP. He's going on to get his logistics readiness officer training. Nice. Lieut Sterling Broadhead, who I knew and put into the Air Force Reserve, is now Major Broadhead as a uh, unit commander at Hill Air Force Base. That's awesome. So the opportunities are there. Yeah. So a lot of times it's just it may not align exactly how they want. Right. But we get their foot through the door and opportunities can open up. Right. And I think that brings up, um, you know, a good good conversation when we talk about opportunities um, is what what is an opportunity? Right. I think that quite often uh, when you're young. Um, or you, you have a preconceived notion of what things are going to be that sometimes you're blind, uh, blind to an opportunity. Um, I guess, uh, so with your job, how do you explain or how do you kind of get an individual to see what an opportunity is? So an opportunity is such a vague word, right? right. An opportunity to me may not be an opportunity to you uh, and vice versa. So a lot of times when we're talking about opportunities, it could be the opportunity of making sure you can provide medical insurance for your family and yourself. Yeah. It could be the opportunity to go to college, which you might otherwise not have. 
It could be an opportunity to work in a job that you're never going to have the, the, the availability to do. Um, it, it could be various things. And that's where we really, in the recruiting process, really kind of break down, why are you wanting to join? Yeah. One of the questions I always started with is, why are you looking into the military? Why the Air Force Reserve specific? Okay. Right. And, and that, that makes me think that you probably have um, some of the harder cells or the harder conversations when we're talking about uh, at the in-service recruiter position, right? We're talking about individuals that this is what I know the Air Force is. I've been REGAF for X number of years. Yeah. I'm set in my ways and the way I think that the Air Force works. I have my own opinion about what the reserves and the guards yeah. like. Um, and I know what I like and hate about my job. Go. <laughs> no, that's that is definitely a challenge. Always has been. Right. So we have different areas of recruiting. We have officer sessions, health professions, line recruiting, you know, and then in-service recruiters In-service recruiters really kind of set themselves off on a different level because anybody that walks into the office of a recruiter for OAHP or line, okay. they have a general interest in joining or else they wouldn't be there. Right. In-service recruiters have that challenge of they're in your office talking to you because it's a requirement to separate active duty. And either they're, they fulfilled their commitment, which now they're gonna separate, and we wanna capitalize on their training and their abilities, and then also give them benefits. That's, that's a term called palace front, where they're gonna finish their term, they're gonna join with concurrent service. Or you have the ones that say, you know what, I need to get back home, mom and dad's sick, or, or I've got a job opportunity, whatever it is, that's palace chase. Okay. Um, palace chase is a means of, can you help me to get back home while I also continue serving? I'm, I'm asking to leave my active duty obligation early and serve that time back in the Air Force Reserve. Right. But generally, it's palace front and they come in with their arms crossed <laughs> and they're defiant and they know it all. And we have to really break down those barriers. Right. And, and there's yeah. nothing really wrong with objections. Objections just means those are questions that aren't answered yet. Yeah. No, I mean, I was a palace front uh, myself. Uh, it was time for me to, to leave uh, active duty for family uh, reasons. And uh, it was just I wanted to continue to serve. And I'll be honest with you, the where I was going, uh, we just couldn't make the connection with my original AFSC uh, at the time. Um, and I, I, it was a struggle for me to, to kind of go down the pathway of uh, accepting a different AFSC because um, I was support to an operations AFSC. We always butted heads, so, right. you know, having <laughs> right. to go back to the maintenance side of the house and say, hey, look, I'm going to go be a one, uh, you know, such and such. They're like, you're dead to me. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Never, ever talk to me again. Um, but it was the only way I could get to, to uh, that particular location. Um, and, uh, you know, I had officers on REGAF that really made a phone call. They, they helped me out and uh, found that position for me and helped uh, get me into a position. And by the time I got there, things had changed. My original AFSC was now available um, and uh, they were able to keep my line number and for me to promote when I got there. So I just really lucked out yeah. uh, and how all that fell in. Right. It's not always the case. So I definitely uh, was appreciative. And and uh, the in-service recruiter was was pretty helpful in that in that moment. That's good. That's a success story. Right. And there's many, many more like that. Right. So it, it, it does become challenging. You know, I've I've had those people come in with their arms crossed and. Just sign my stuff off. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I already know about the Air Force Reserve. And then we have to really step back and ask some of those real tough questions. Um, you know, what what are your plans in the future? Right. You've got a family. What's your medical plans? What's your educational plans? You've got X amount of years invested. 
what are you doing with that? Are you, are you getting a return on your investment? Probably not. Yeah. So we really break down and try to say, here's how you can get a return on that investment. And if we can capitalize on, on two skill sets, AFSC skill set, if we can, right? That's what we want. Yes. There's a huge benefit, cost savings in training dollars. Right. Units love them when they're fully qualified right. um, for the most part. At least we we hope that they do. Right. But even if they're coming over as a retrainee like yourself, we have to look at those leadership skill sets that they're coming over with. You know, that mentality of, I already know how the Air Force is operating. They're going to bring that active duty concept over into the reserve, that structure, yeah. uh, that day in and day out that us citizen airmen don't always have the opportunities to do. No, I agree. I, I know that's one of the, a lot of those things we cover when we're trying to to retain um, here at the the wing and the group and the unit level, right? It's, uh, have, what are you going to do when uh, you separate, uh, even from the reserves, um, and one of the pieces that I always try to hit on, too, is the networking piece, right? The fact that uh, being a citizen airman is so beneficial uh, from a network perspective. Just because you work in this job uh, and work in this AFSC in this unit, you have access to probably 15 different companies that are represented at the table yeah. uh, from different levels um, or a number of different type of job oppor- opportunities, job knowledge that you can find someone that knows a little bit about something that might help you in the right direction or have a lead uh, for a job. You know, I was talking to uh, another chief the other day, and that was one of the things that he loved about the reserves is he was making really good money right he, on the civilian side. And uh, when that he got laid off, the reserves were the only ones there to catch him. Right. You know, OK, they, they brought him in, got him on his orders. They helped him find a new job. All of it. Right. Yeah. It's that family aspect that uh, the reserves have um, that I think sometimes, you know, we miss on Reg AFA or we don't necessarily see from that perspective or as a civilian understand that benefit is there. Well, you don't have that personal connection a lot of times, you know, citizen airmen have a personal connection. They live locally and they serve globally. Right. No, I definitely, you definitely can see that. Right. So um, I guess the the other question I had for you too, right. Cause uh, you guys have a very important job. And it's very strenuous, um, but it also seems pretty exciting. So what do you love about your job? So what I love about my job is this. I believe, and I've said this for years, you know, the Secretary of the Air Force in 2014, Deborah Lee James, said a public statement about the Air Force Reserve. She said, in the next 10 years, I see a chief of staff with major reserve component experience. And that's a very bold statement to make about the Air Force Reserve. I love right. it. Um, we, we've seen that. We've seen General Miller, the CAFR of the Air Force Reserve, go on and be a four-star general of AFMC. We've seen even my chief that has come back to recruiting and is our RSM right now, Chief Masters, came from the SEAC. She was the senior enlisted advisor to the SEAC. Right. Um, so we see that cross flow, that cross integration. Um, but here's what it means to me. You know, I brought up Deborah Lee James and the comments she made about chief staff of the Air Force. And I believe that one day a chief master sergeant of the Air Force can come from the Air Force Reserve. Right. Yeah, definitely. So what drives me is the fact that I'm confident that we all, every citizen airman, whether you're a uh, a young troop and it's just a coworker or a peer, whether it's a supervisory to a troop role, um, whether it's a recruiter to a civilian role. I believe that we all have that 
unique opportunity to be in touch with what will be our future leaders of the Air Force Reserve. Right. No, I, I fully agree. You know, I've, I've already seen changes since being in the reserves of where you're seeing um, chiefs getting the opportunity to be command chiefs in deployed locations. Um, you have first sergeants that are supporting REGAF units yeah. uh, at times. Um, I've seen through MPA as well, uh, individuals taking full on leads. Um, you know, there's there's a number of uh, examples of where that's just that integration is happening on a regular basis. Absolutely. Um, so I guess another question I had for you is if I wanted to be a recruiter, how could I become a recruiter? So you just got to give us a call, right? Um, you know, you're, you're 960, so you guys are spread out all over the United States. So those GSUs that are Andrews, we have flights over there with a flight chief. Um, if they're in Travis, same thing there. So you just got to find out who your local recruiting flight chief is. Okay. And you're always going to start with them. Just talk with the flight chief. They're going to give you an application. You're going to fill that out, give it back. We'll sit down with an interview okay. and we'll actually go ahead and do our selection. And then we send that forward. Right. We're going to give our recommendations or maybe our concerns. And we're going to send that forward. It's going to go through the squadron onto headquarters. They're going to they're going to then branch it out and they're going to make sure that there's no medical issues by letting the SG check it out or make sure there's no legal issues by letting JAG check it out. Right. And then once all that's been checked and, and everything's good, then we're going to get them to uh, ESC, Evaluation Selection Course, kind of a temporary. Okay. Let's test out recruiting, see how it goes. Um, then we get them down to a recruiting school and then we fulfill the needs of the Air Force Reserve Recruiting Service. Okay. May not be a recruiting job, AGR, here at Lackland. Right. It might be Missoula, Montana, Blue Springs, Missouri. We don't know. Okay. But we're going to fulfill those needs. Okay. Does it mean you can't make it back to Lackland? Not, it doesn't mean that. You can. Right. But uh, that that's the path that goes. And from my perspective as a flight chief, I'm always going to give an application and say, I'm not going to follow up with you. I'm not going to chase you to turn in this application right? because you're going to tell me everything I need to know with your sense of urgency on getting this turned in. If I have to chase you to put in an application to be a recruiter. Should you ever come work for me? Do I have to chase you every month to give me all those accessions? Right. No, I, I fully agree. Uh, you know, I've worked special duties and uh, that is a key indicator of how motivated are you to be part of this culture? Yeah. Right. How motivated are you uh, to be successful right. in this uh, mission set? And uh, it always comes down to how engaged are you? How uh, enthused are you? And how fast are you getting it done? And how correctly is it done? Absolutely. And do you take uh, do you take uh, feedback? Well, do you take uh, adjustments? Well, right. So it's uh, those things are amazing uh, indicators to uh, at least having the the right attitude and sometimes the aptitude. Oh, you, you couldn't hit it on the head more, right? Uh, attitude is contagious. Right. Right. So, and it's a choice. True. Um, you know, but as far as recruiters, if you have the right attitude, it actually is extremely fun. We're not just out finding the future leaders of the Air Force Reserve. We're out there having fun doing it, right? We're working air shows. We're working baseball games and events and we're target recruiting and we're, you know, we're speaking with tons of people. We're, we're out there, the image of the Air Force Reserve, you know, as a young former security forces, right? When I was a young cop, everybody always said, you're the first image of the Air Force standing out there at the gate. Well, I disagree with that. Our recruiters and even our citizen airmen that are not at at work, but out in the environment, they're the first image of the Air Force Reserve. You definitely hear a lot more uh, stories and comments about 
one's recruiter than you do about it. And <laughs> security forces, <laughs> you know, at, at the gate, right? right. Uh, unless it's just a unique story. Yeah. Um, but yes, I could say that everybody can remember the recruiter. Everybody can remember uh, what, what they were told roughly. Yeah. And the, I, I, I couldn't argue with you that that's, that's definitely that first impression. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I think just to kind of summarize it, I think there's a lot of talent out there. I mean, and, and we're opening the gates up even more. We, we've increased the age to 39 wow. for non-prior service, right? So I'm we're targeting <laughs> <laughs> we're targeting professionals, right? right? Civilian professionals to come in. So, you know, there's a lot of talent out there that will make great citizen airmen. And there's a lot of citizen airmen out there that have the talent to make great recruiters, uh, to make great TIs, right. to make great chiefs and, and officers in our program. No, I agree. There's definitely a lot of talent out there. Um, and it's just, a, you know, from a leadership perspective, making sure individuals believe in themselves enough to, you know, reach out and look at that opportunity, you know, kind of going back to that statement of opportunity, yeah. understanding that there's a variety of opportunities. Um, they're not just barriers. They're just not little things that, uh, that tell you no, but sometimes it helps direct you to what might actually be an opportunity. Absolutely. So with that, you know, I think that we've kind of covered a lot. Was there anything else you wanted to tell our listeners today? No, I mean, I just want to, I guess I would just say thank you, right? Thank you for what you guys do. I mean, we don't get to see that. You know, when, when we talk operational Air Force okay. from recruiting, we are HR that's trying to man the operational Air Force. Sometimes we can man it with fully qualified. Sometimes we have to man it with potential uh, that have identifiers to be successful, such as the ASVAP and the MEPS and the AFPCD. Right. But we are so far disconnected from the operational Air Force that sometimes we have to remind ourselves that our mission is to fly, fight, and win, to win on an airspace and cyberspace platform. And so it takes each and every one of our 70,000 airmen, citizen airmen, to make sure that that mission's being done, you know, and, and thank you for what you do. Continue to lead the ones that need to be led that we're going to bring in because we're, we're selling a family, right? not an organization. Yeah, no, fully agree. Right. Um, you know, what I'd like to challenge all of our leadership out there is uh, take the time to sit down with uh, a recruiter uh, locally or um, make a friend. Right. And then also uh, challenge them to uh, bring you into the fold, see what the operations are, kind of seeing uh, uh, what, what we do so that uh, you guys can better uh, articulate how we do our business, why we do our business, yeah. uh, which only helps us all out. Yeah. Um, and if nothing else, it's just, um, you know, including one more person uh, into our smaller family from this big Air Force Reserve family. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, I, Chief, thank you so much for enlightening us with all of that information. Thank you for what you do, right? Um, there's a lot of work that goes into keeping a unit going. And sometimes we take for granted uh, some of the other pieces that go on, like making sure that we have viable candidates, that we have individuals ready to go, um, and then making sure that they know that we have vacancies. Um, we get lost in the sauce on that one sometimes. So really do thank you and your team uh, for being uh, so diligent, especially with the 960th um, and all the efforts that you, you make on our behalf. So yeah. thank you. Well, thanks chief for having me. All right. Thank you. And with that said, gladiators, remember, uh, stab your enemy in the face through cyberspace. <laughs>